0: Welcome to the Word of a King podcast. It's where culture clashes with our calling, where preaching is more important than popularity, where we rightly divide and properly apply the scriptures, where we put to rest common and controversial issues. We do this by looking to the Word of a King. The key to understand the word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says.
1: If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened their understanding. Amen, amen. Welcome again to the Word of a King podcast. I am your host, Chad Reese, pastor at Lighthouse Baptist Church. And joining me is my co-host, Brother Brian Beam. Now we're not going to open up by me asking brother brian how how is he doing because we had this conversation before we started how he's thinks it's just awkward and (laughs) and you know what's he supposed to say if i ask him how he's doing so we decided instead we're going to tell a couple jokes and i'm going to tell you right off the back mine are lame i'm not a comedian i'm not a joke teller but we're going to start off the podcast this way but i'm going to let you tell your joke first brother brian so what do you have for us today in regards to a good joke
0: It's a good one not really i told a few people at church why was the fly nervous at the fruit stand
1: i have no idea brother
0: because he was on a date get <laughs> it? yeah
1: yeah, yeah. That, that's the caliber of brother brian jokes and uh not as good as they get last uh sunday <laughs> brother brian brought in some time the seasoning time <laughs> and was playing jokes on everyone at church and oh, yeah. uh so uh, it was good we had a good time with time time flew
0: <laughs> time what else what else did time do i had i went up to people with a handful of the spice i said do you know what this is i said it's too much time on my hands <laughs> too much time and on your hands we just i told the one brother there was some time on the table and i said lift it up and i said uh I forgot what I said. <laughs> time's up. Yeah, time's up. That's what time's what up. There you and go. And it just went on and on and on. And it, it got Until, old for many people. It, it did get old for many Nothing gets old people. for
1: me. It got old for many people. And then when I started off our afternoon service, I had some time in my hands. I was talking about how I was <laughs> preaching. And I threw it up in the air and said, when you're preaching, time flies. So And we all loved but, it. Yeah, we did. We, we enjoyed it. It was a good time. That's kind of the caliber of this joke. I just wanted to set up the audience, the viewers, the listeners, for my joke. It's just as corny. It's just as bad. But Brother Brian hasn't heard this one yet. So, Brother Brian. Maybe. Did I ever tell you about me and my recliner? We go way back.
0: <laughs> That's it. That's all oh, I got, I forgot to tell you, I don't get jokes. Not too often. Did it just hit you? It did. When I started laughing, it hit me. I thought you were going to spill a bunch of stuff on it, and I, I don't know. <laughs> then I got it.
1: You got We go way back. Way back. Okay. I am. I thought you just didn't like it at all. No, I do like it. Okay. 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 Yeah. It's like, man, that's a pretty lame joke, and Brother Brian's I ain't laughing at it. We're trying. We're trying, folks. And uh, so, I don't know. Brother, was that better than asking how, how's it going?
0: yeah i'm strange if you haven't figured out i don't like people i don't like being asked how's it going i don't like people holding the door for me i don't like holding the door for people
1: did you hear that everyone at lighthouse hold the door for brother brian mm. someday. hate it hate it hate it well um <laughs> he just thinks it's awkward i guess and and you know understand what you're saying about ask when people ask them, how you how you doing because they don't really want to know do they no what do they want you to say
0: Oh, pretty good. How about yourself? Yeah. And, and so, so that's what I usually do. I just fake it to get along. And that's why you don't so like people it, don't see a, what a weirdo not I sincere, am. Right. Right. So
1: anyways, you know, brother, I think we really, really, really should stick to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, yes. amen. All right, brother Brian. So what we're going to talk about today is, is we dive into the subject about how the Bible is an amazing book. I thought we'd talk for a few moments about the science in it. And again, I know that there's a debate and sometimes even Christians talk about is the Bible a scientific book or is it not? And uh, so what's, what's your take on that, brother?
0: The Bible is written to tell us how to get to heaven, not to tell us about that. Oh, no, that's something else. <laughs> now, if the Bible talks about science, it's 100% right, just like if the Bible talks about hell or heaven or salvation or being born again or judgment seat of Christ or white throne judgment, no matter what the Bible talks about, Alexander the Great, Cyrus, Darius, Nebuchadnezzar, yeah. history, uh, the kings that came against uh um, Chedorlaomer and the king of Sodom and Abraham, that's all history. If the Bible says it, it may take 2,000 years for for archaeology to confirm it, but it'll confirm it every time. If the Bible says it, it's true. You want science? Sure. If the Bible's got plenty of science in it, and if it's in the Bible, it's true. Amen. We don't doubt it whatsoever. And it may take science a couple hundred years, 500 years, 1,000 years to catch up. But mark my word mark my word yeah. they will catch up so this is the word of god it's been it's proved to me it's been proven throughout history to be right every single time hundreds thousands of times yeah. without one mistake so yeah if the bible talks about science you can count on it
1: And again so no doubt that the bible is very scientific every single thing the Bible mentions in regards to science, and it mentions all types of things, hydrology, the water cycle, biology, you know, uh, the makeup of man. I mean, it could go on and on. It talks about the constellations. It talks about astrology. I mean, Hmm. just there's so many things that the Bible talks about, and everything that the Bible does talk about is 100% right, and uh, there's a couple of quick examples I'll give. You know, again... For a long, long time, science used to practice bloodletting. And uh, one of our presidents even died from bloodletting. Which one was that?
0: John was it John Washington? <laughs> yeah, George, John Washington. George Washington. George Washington. <laughs> George Washington.
1: And, and obviously, if they would have just read Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, the Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. So it's not a good idea to let your blood out. And uh, there's another, another example, just think top of my head here. Um, I don't know all the dates on that, but someone can look it up and you know share it with the viewing and listening audience. But for a long time, and I think this was even happening over in Europe, maybe even in uh, England, there um, that the mortality rate of. When women uh, gave birth to children it was so high they couldn't figure out why and all of a sudden uh, they started washing their hands hmm. and the mortality rate dropped significantly see what had happened before is a, a, a doctor would go and perform surgery and they would dip their hands in a basin and they'd wash it and then they would go deliver a child and that t- child would develop a bacteria or a virus or something and get sick and die and the mortality rate was skyrocketing well as soon as they started washing their hands hmm. in running water the mortality rate plummeted and again i know what? the bible talks about that why wouldn't they just read the bible yeah they would have read the bible the bible talks about <laughs> running water and <laughs> leviticus uh, yeah
0: and what 3500 years ago That's-
1: well ahead of modern science. So around. there's a lot of different examples, but we want to just give you a few of them, some things to consider. And again, why the Bible is an amazing book. So, Brother Brian, why don't you share with us a couple? And I got a few of them myself, and we'll just discuss them. And, and hopefully these are a blessing to you.
0: Okay. Lamentations 4, verse 3. By the way, Lamentations... I'd like to ask this bible trivia question the only book in the bible where the word monster appears that word monster only occurs one time there's monsters in the bible monsters in the bible and a lot of people say it's in isaiah it's in psalms it's in job it's in revelation they're thinking leviathan or behemoth or whatever the other creature is <laughs> unicorns in job and psalms but it's in lamentations written by jeremiah in 600 bc ish yeah. Even the sea monsters draw out the breast. They give suck to their young ones. So Jeremiah, 2,600 years ago, knew about creatures in the sea who breastfeed and science didn't know about that till a few hundred years ago. And yeah. that's why whales, supposedly, that's why they're mammals, not fish, because they breastfeed and they give live birth unlike every other creature that lives in the water. How did Jeremiah know that? because all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Amen. And holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So God told Jeremiah that, and Jeremiah wrote it. He probably didn't even know what God was talking about, but he just did it. And the Bible's always right. There are sea creatures that do that.
1: Yeah, and that's an amazing thing. You know, when you have the creator who inspires the word of God, inspires the writers, and, you know, he's the one that gives life to everything, I obviously he knows that there is... Monsters in the sea that give live birth and that they nurse. And uh, so, uh, again, just amazing truths that are found in this Bible. And I, I'm a big fan of science, just not science falsely so yeah. called. Amen. But true science. I'm, um, it's just, it's fascinating. And uh, God bears proof throughout his word of true science. So, uh, why don't you give us another one? All right, another one here. Job
0: 26 7.
1: Well, you turn to Job twenty-six seven. Uh, the book of Job has a whole lot of science in it. There's a, just a ton of truth truth in the book of Job, and that's amazing, thought considering it's uh, the oldest piece of literature known to mankind. But uh, what do you have here?
0: I saw no older than the hills. What's thou made before the hills? That's a different subject. <laughs> <laughs> I like how the is sure, sure come yeah. from the King James Bible. Yeah, the
1: language of the King James Bible is amazing. I like that phrase uh things uh the phrase in the new testament um these things must needs be there's some things that must needs be uh, i just kind of like that phrase
0: all right job 26 7 he stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing whoa whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> the earth is hung upon nothing brother brian not the back of a turtle, mm. it's not hanging on a string, there's not a pole in the center of it holding it up, it's not Atlas or Zeus or whoever holds that thing yeah. up. Yeah. That's what the ancient literature says, that's what the Greek mythology says and Roman mythology, sure. and even science itself, probably just three 400 years ago, had all different ideas about how Earth came about. And Job, the oldest book in the world, yeah. 1800 BC, older than Moses, before sure. Moses, during the time of Abraham, Isaac, around there, Job had that revelation that the earth hangs on nothing. Once again, the Bible is always right, never wrong.
1: And that's uh, just amazing truth. But, um, you know, maybe maybe Job got some of those CGI pictures of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen those? No. So that's the whole the whole uh, debate about, you know, the earth hung out there. And it's the circle of the earth. And, uh, oh, that's, that's just no. a computer-generated image, you know. Anyway.
0: Okay, flat earth thing.
1: Yeah, yeah flat earth thing. Let's anyways. talk
0: about that. No.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll bypass on that. We'll move on. But uh, anyways, any any picture of uh, the earth is always fake, according to some people. But nevertheless, this we do know, and, and and I concur, there's a lot of fake things out there. But this thing we do know. Fake news. That the earth is hung upon nothing. And we know that because the word of God says so. Um, well, let me let me give you this one. Um, we'll talk about this one for a moment, then we'll come back to you, Brother Brian. But uh, I, I really like this one. Um, I've used this one out street preaching in Ann Arbor. Of course, you got the University of Michigan there, and dealing with a lot of educated and you know well-to-do college kids, and they always want to challenge the Bible, and they usually do it just with their intellect. So it's good to be prepared with some of these scientific facts, and they really don't know what to say, but (laughs) I, I don't know if it's still true, but for the longest time, I was told that even there at the University of Michigan, they used Matthew Murray's book if you were studying oceanography, and Matthew Murray is known as the father of oceanography, but a lot of people, what they don't tell you is why Matthew Murray came to his discoveries or how he came to his discoveries. But um, he, he actually found that discovery because he was reading the Bible. And he read in Psalms chapter 8, verse 8, the Bible says, The fowl of the air and the fish of the sea and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. And Matthew Murray said, "If there's paths in the seas, according to the Word of God, then I'm gonna go out and find them." And Matthew Murray discovered and charted the sea currents and the sea paths, and that's why he's known as the father of oceanography. But he got that truth from the Word of God, and uh, again, that's just uh, that's just mind blowing to me. Hmm. But, Brother Brian, before you share your next one, you know, I think uh, the world is real good. At rewriting history and only telling part of the truth probably maybe a hundred years ago a lot of the brilliant minds a lot of the scientists a lot of the discoveries were by Christians who believe the Bible nowadays they make you feel if you believe the Bible that you're dumb and you know you can't be a scientist and you you know but that's completely contrary to the truth of history and obviously we know it's contrary to the truth of the word of god because the word of god is always true so i like to have these stories in my back pocket especially with names and verses and uh, to be able to uh, just kind of share with some young folks and hopefully the word of god will do a work in their heart so uh what else you got
0: a similar one with the uh, earth hanging upon nothing isaiah 40 22 says it is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Mm. The earth sitteth upon the circle of the earth. The earth has a circle. Yeah. That how did Isaiah know that? Seven hundred B.C. That goes against what other all other major religions teach. They say the Bible is you know just a book of holy scripture, just like the other book of scriptures. No, it's not. The Bible is so far ahead of any book that's ever been written. You could just thumb through the Apocrypha or the Quran or the Hindu literature, or any of the literature of religious writings, even as recent as a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago. You could take a science book from 20, 30, 40 years ago, and it would be worthless when it talks about science, when it talks about cosmetology and astrology and biology and geology and all these ologies. Amen. They, were, they get outdated every every generation. Every 20, 30 years, they're no good. The Bible never has to repent. The Bible never has to go back. They might mock it for <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of years, thousands of years. Then, oh, here they go. They found a... They found some, in a dig, some archaeology that confirms, oh, there was a king named Solomon, and he was pretty great. While for hundreds of years, they mock in their uh, archaeology books about if a man as great as Solomon existed in history, surely there would be evidence. But when they find the evidence, they don't tell you about it. It's like a little little clipping on page 43 or something of archaeology today, but that's how it works. Brother, I just have one question. Did you say (laughs) cosmetology? (laughs) Is that what I said? It didn't sound right when I said it. I mean
1: that's okay. I'm sure it the Bible probably talks about it. It probably talks about it too. So, amen, amen, amen. cosmology
0: I, I, what? Is, <laughs> what am I supposed to say?
1: <laughs> we got you, brother. We got you. I'm just teasing. And, uh, um cosmology. I, yeah. Cosmos. I
0: think, Cosmos. Yeah, I think, yeah. The world. Yeah. Side.
1: Exactly. The state of the world. Cosmetology
0: <laughs> Well, hair, right? Chemicals and yeah, 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 yeah. I don't have much hair
1: that's all right, brother. We Amen. know, I knew what you meant. I'm sure the listeners and viewers knew what you meant too. And, uh, it's always good just to laugh at ourselves. And it was like the other day in, in church and I got preaching and, uh, you know, straight away from my notes. That's why I'm a manuscript preacher. I just, I, I have my notes. I study it out, I pray, know what I'm going to say, you know, obviously lead by the Holy spirit, but, uh, You know get talking there about the antichrist and you know the comparisons when the bow shows up and first time it shows up with the ishmael and second time it shows up with esau and i'm making the comparisons to the antichrist and i start preaching and talking about how yeah that and then that the real deceiver is gonna show up one day speaking about the antichrist but obviously i was implying and didn't mean to that esau was the deceiver and esau wasn't the deceiver Uh, but you know that's what happens you get you get preaching and teaching and things start messing up in your head hmm. but uh, anyways um i won't tell you who came to me first and said you know jacob's the deceiver i said yeah i know that what did i say she said Mm -hmm. well you yeah she 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 uh my wife she's a good wife she said it you know quietly Anyways, that's anyways. a blessing. I, amen, amen. I didn't notice it. That's well, good. I'm glad you didn't notice. I noticed as soon as you pointed out, I was like, oh yeah, well, that's what happens when you get preaching just like you were just a minute ago. Yes. You know, cosmetology. we about, Yeah, cosmetology right in the midst of it, but that, that's okay. But back to your point. Yeah. The, the Bible is when it talks about the science and the circle of the earth and the, you know, the sea creatures and, uh, everything else. It's just an amazing book and amazing truth. <laughs> um, I'll give you another one. I I really like this story, too. This is just a fantastic truth, a fantastic story of Dr. James Simpson. And, uh, again, I think this is something that we just have no idea about because, again, uh, or for the most part, Americans are pretty lazy when it comes to history and reading. (laughs) But uh, I would say until the mid-19th century, uh, surgeries were done without painkillers. Now, I can't imagine that. I couldn't imagine having a surgery and having no painkillers. Of course, they would use, you know, maybe like alcohol and give someone a fit or something and try to get them half drunk before they, you know, perform surgery, which I guess is better than nothing. Um, you know, a little a little wine for thy stomach's
0: sake.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, right? That's the fitting medical use. And uh, um, I, I caught your hiccup over there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, um,. So in the mid 19th century before that, you know, again, they would try to give them, like I said, maybe a little bit of wine or something, maybe opiate or something just to help with the pain, but they they didn't put them asleep in. Surgeries used to be so horrific that a lot of times the operating rooms were not even attached to the hospital. The reason they weren't attached to the hospital is because of all the screams that would come from the operating rooms. I mean, could you imagine you're checking in for your appointment and down the hall, someone's screaming the top of their lungs because they're being cut open? Well, that's the reality of surgery up mm. until the mid-19th century. So a lot of times operating rooms were across the street or a different building, and they used to have to strap the patients down as they operated on them, which again, I I understand that. But Dr. Simpson and a couple of his colleagues or friends, they started experimenting with different chemicals and see what the effects were. And finally, they started experimenting with chloroform. And of course, they didn't invent chloroform, but they started experimenting with it. And they found out that chloroform was a good chemical to put someone to sleep for surgery. And they started using it. And of course, uh, like a lot of new things, there was a, there was kind of a kickback in the medical field and they said, no, you can't do this. Uh, but shockingly, there was even a kickback in the religious community saying that it was wrong. And uh, Dr. Simpson opened hmm. the Bible to Genesis chapter two, and he read verse 21 and 22. And uh, the Bible says the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof, all right? And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Dr. Simpson's answer was, God is not interested in unnecessary pain during surgery. And he got that principle from the word of God. What a lot of people don't know is Dr. Simpson was an avid Christian. He read his Bible. He even wrote a track gospel track so people could get saved and so again just the point is here you have a brilliant man a surgeon a surgeon and he reads the word of god he sees that god puts adam to sleep to perform a surgery on him take a rib out and he said you know that's a good idea we should try that and so again that's just a blessing that's just a great truth that a brilliant man found in the word of god
0: yeah, it's a blessing if you've had surgery and yeah that shows you believe the Bible believe it's literal and God will show you things and the old-time scientists believe that book absolutely
1: they did a lot of them there's just document after document uh, go back and read of what the old-time scientists believed you uh, know so what else you have
0: yeah there's all kinds of things I know the black plague killed I believe a quarter of all the European millions and millions of people in Europe quarter of them and I'm I think the Jews had, like, zero people die or there none of the Jews died because they observed the sanitation laws, the archaic 3,300-year-old 3, sanitation right. laws of the Jews that allow them to live while everybody else is spreading disease and germs among each other.
1: And I believe that's why they blame the Jews, right? Yeah, Because yeah. the Jews
0: weren't dying. Everyone that. else was dying. That's so weird. That. Most people don't blame the Jews for stuff throughout history. I know. Isn't that
1: strange? <laughs> I mean, the Jews always get a... Pa- no, they don't. <laughs> they get blamed for everything.
0: Yeah. So... Yep.
1: No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And uh, yeah, so it's because of those sanitation laws that are found in the Bible, in the book of Leviticus and so on and so forth, and about washing their hands and not touching dead bodies and so on and so forth that saved thousands upon thousands of lives of the Jews during the Black Plague.
0: Got some other ones? Yeah, just a couple of quick hitters on sanitation. Since we're there, Leviticus 15. Verse eight, you kind of mentioned it with the uh, mortality rate among infants in eighteenth, nineteenth century England, I believe. Where yeah, yeah. Where people were dying left and right because right. they weren't washing their hands. Right. Leviticus fifteen eight, and if he that hath the issue spit upon him that is clean, then he shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until even. Verse thirteen. And when he that hath an issue is cleansed of his issue, then he shall number to himself seven days for his cleansing and wash his clothes and bathe his flesh in running water and shall be clean. So God knew about, because he made microbes and germs yeah. and all that kind of thing, he knew that how germs could be spread and told them to clean their hands and wash their hands. And the Jew believed it and did it, and it served them well. And it took us dirty, filthy dog, wicked Gentiles, thousands of years to catch up to Israel. and But right. when we did, God blessed it.
1: So I think the key there too, Brother Brian, because as I mentioned in, in my studies and reading about it, those doctors would wash their hands. They'd wash them but in basins. But God's word specifically said, and you just read it, to wash it in running water. Yeah. And the reason is obviously those bacteria and germs will run off. And if you're just washing your hands in a basin, they would just collect. And imagine nowadays if you would have looked on a microscope and just that cesspool that they kept dipping their hands in. Hmm. But God told them to use running water. And as soon as they got rid of those basins, started using running water just in that particular case. Again the death rate plummeted. So just amazing. Amazing book that we have in the Bible. Amen. Another one?
0: You want the yeah? Let's go on. All right, this is in Job, verse five. Behold, even to the moon, and it shineth not. Yeah,
1: that's a, that's an amazing truth. Again, hmm. just one that the human eye would not be able to comprehend on its own. Now, again, I understand with modern technology, so on and so forth, we are able to, uh, you know have satellites and telescopes and spaceships and so some of these things are not um as impressive i still think they're impressive obviously um but uh science is just now catching up with the bible but for the bible to declare that the moon doesn't have its own light is just an amazing fact and uh, it's a and it's amazing truth of a picture and type of the church. Brother Brian, why don't you just talk about that for a few moments Of because of this truth that we see in the moon and tie that together uh, into the picture of the church.
0: Yeah, the moon is one of the many types of the church. And Song of Solomon says, Who is this that was it shineth forth as the moon, terrible as an Veryful army, fair as the moon, yeah. terrible as an army of banners. Talking about Song of Solomon, which, of course, Solomon, son of David, type of Christ. Solomon's favorite bride. It's a Gentile bride. If you read the Song of Solomon, of course, that would match the church. And the moon has no light of its own in science. And Mm -hmm. in reality, the moon doesn't shine light. It reflects the light of the sun. That's good. Bells should be going off. Malachi 4, Jesus Christ, the sun, S-U-N of righteousness. Yeah. The sun is a type of Jesus Christ. That's where we get all our light. That's where we get our life. And something I thought about recently, I hear about like skin cancer and too much sun can kill you. And I'm thinking, that's so weird. Because I drive all the time and my, um, my one arm was, I know last summer I started wearing suntan lotion, which I've never done unless I'm going to the beach or something. And I thought, well, people do get skin cancer. I guess I should probably start doing this. And I was just thinking how... If we we're a few degrees further from the sun, our earth would freeze and it'd be too cold. Right. And you got to have the sun or you get vitamin D deficiency and you'll die without the sun. Right. But too much of the sun will kill you. The same source can kill you, curse you, burn you, or yeah. bring you life and it sustains life. Without the sun, we'd all be dead. There'd be no plant life. There'd be, there'd be nothing. But that's a separate note. No, that's a
1: good, a good <laughs> type and picture of... The truth is the same one that's going to save you. Right. Reject him. He's the same one that's going to judge you. Right. So.
0: But Jesus Christ said, I am the light of the world. Then he said, ye are the light of the world. We reflect the light of Jesus Christ. The only good thing about me and Brother Chad and anybody else is Jesus Christ inside of us. That's the only light we have. If you have your own light, might as well go to cosmetology school or something. (laughs) Amen. Amen. It's not going to do you any good. Yeah. But there's a whole bunch of the other ones. I can't remember which eclipse is which, but there's a an eclipse. So there's yeah. solar and lunar. But when the world That's gets between the moon, the church, the Christian, and the sun, Jesus Christ, when the world gets in there, poof, the lights go out. That's good. That's good. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity against God. Be not conformed. There's your preaching. You just go on and on with that yeah. thing. And there, I'm sure you got some goodies on the yeah, sun no, and all I
1: that. Mean, that's just – it's fabulous in the truth, and it's fabulous in the application too. And, again, I wish I had, you know, we have a little – ball here, yeah. ball here, and we could show you, demonstrate, and again you got the sun and the moon is supposed to reflect and then put something right in the middle. It obscures that. And again, your your application there is one hundred percent right. When we let this world come between us and the Lord Jesus Christ, we no longer reflect the glory of God. And and think about it, during those eclipses it's completely dark. And we know Jesus Christ the light of the world, but he's left us as ambassadors. He's entrusted us with the ministry of reconciliation. He says we have a high calling. He's entrusted us mm. with the gospel, with the ministry of reconciliation. And Christian, when you let the world block the light of the sun, there is no other light in this world. We are the light because that's how God set it up. We are supposed to reflect that light. That reminds me of uh, the very wording of of Genesis chapter one. And Genesis chapter one says this, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons for days and years, and let them be for light in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. Now here's the verse, and God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day. There's coming a day when that greater light is going to rule. It's called the millennium. It is the day during the, that time. And uh, the greater r- light is going to rule. But he all, it goes on to say, and the lesser light to rule the night. I truly believe it's our job during these dark days to, to rule the night. And how we rule the night is to reflect the glory hmm. of the Lord Jesus Christ. To reflect the glory of the of the sun and you can go on and on with this truth that we picked up in regards to the moon how it doesn't give its own light and we saw brother brian shared with you how song of solomon talks about the bride being fair as the moon and then you can just see all these types and pictures in the bible and they lead to a whole bunch of other truths And so maybe maybe now's a good time to transition and talk a little bit about uh those types and pictures or metaphors and allegories and i know we've done this a little bit brother brian but uh maybe just for a few moments let's let's talk about some of these so before i before i get in one do you maybe top your head any any types or pictures or anything that's you know just really stirs your heart or because when i get in this it'll kind of be a little bit longer but um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, talk about Enoch.
0: Enoch's good. Genesis 24 kind of popped in my head. Yeah, go ahead, Genesis 24, yeah. that's kind of common one, but there's probably a lot of people that haven't heard this one. Genesis 24 is where Abraham sends out his servant that's good. to yeah. get a bride for his son Isaac. We know Abraham's the type of God the father. Genesis 22, when he offers up Isaac his son, that's the type of Christ Isaac's a type of Jesus Christ, son of Abraham. And you got the servant and you got Rebecca, who would be his wife. And that, of course, is a type of the church. Right. That's right? the bride of Christ. So there's so many truths and beauties you can get out of this. Number one, which I just learned this in the last 12 months, never knew this. Abraham, God, doesn't get a bride for his son until he puts his bride away. That's Right. That's good. Sarah was Abram's wife. Yeah. She dies, Genesis 23, 1. Sarah was 127, and she died. Genesis 23. In Genesis 24, Abraham goes and gets a wife. So, God the Father's wife, Jehovah's wife, is Israel, right. the nation of Israel. Isaiah 62, 63 calls it Beulah land. Beulah is Hebrew for married. Jehovah, God the Father's wife, is not the church. That's right. We have not replaced Israel. God the Father will remarry Hosea. He put her away. He will remarry Israel. Jesus Christ's wife is the church. And I was arguing with a hyper about this, and he kept trying to make him the same. I said, brother, you're, you're getting this replacement thing wrong because it's right. not the same. And he's trying to argue. I said, let's, let's look at Hosea. Let's look at Isaiah 62, 63. Sure. Beulah land. That's what Beulah means, married. It's Israel. It's not us. But that's a separate issue. But the church doesn't show up To Israel's dead. <laughs> Romans 11. Israel's put away and all that kind of thing. But just a couple of nuggets I'm going to throw out there. Uh, Genesis 24, one of the longest chapters in the Bible, by the way, 67 verses. I believe there are 22 chapters in the Bible with 60 or more verses. That's the way my mind works. Sorry, it has nothing to do with anything, but it just popped in my head. Amen, amen. Number one, I'll just kind of... The the servant is not named. That's good. Abraham sends his servant out. The servant is not named. Now now we know it's Eleazar from Genesis 15, I believe. Um, Abraham earlier says to the Lord, Let the servant Eleazar live before thee or something, or this is all I have. But he's not named. Eleazar is a type of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ said, will not. Glorify himself; he will glorify Jesus Christ. Right. The proof of the indwelling Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit brags on Jesus Christ. Right. Somebody filled with the Holy Ghost would talk about Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. Not the Holy Ghost says and the Holy Ghost says and what's your gift to the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost says in the tongues and the holy, holy, holy. That's not the. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit magnifies Jesus Christ.
1: Before you get on so. the next point, I, know, <laughs> I think that's good. I think that's important to uh, just consider. You want to know a mark of a man or a woman that is filled with the Holy Spirit is going to be somebody that talks about the son somebody that talks about the Lord Jesus Christ if you got somebody that's only concerned with their gifts and the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit Holy Spirit I would say you're dealing with what first Corinthians would talk about if they're saved a carnal babe in Christ because that's not somebody who's filled with the Holy Spirit And, and we get this truth not only by what you had just said, and obviously you, you covered it, but you get these truths in John 14, John 16, when he's going to leave another comforter and what the comforter is going to do. You get this truth here in this beautiful type here where this servant's going to go out and get a bride. And uh, again, the servant is not named because nope. that's not the purpose of the servant. So uh, what else do we have here that we just gleaned from, from this beautiful type and
0: picture? Genesis twenty four sixteen, And the damsel was very fair to look upon a virgin. Yeah. So Paul says, I have espoused you to Christ as a chaste virgin.
1: Yeah.
0: And just a little side note, because of course I have to bring up side notes. In Matthew 25, you have the parable of the 10 virgins, plural. In Revelation 7, Revelation 14, we have the 144,000 and their virgins, plural. The church is a virgin, singular. Rightly divide, that's one letter you rightly divide. That's it. You add an S, and you got heresy. That's it. Israel in the tribulation is virgins. The church is a chaste virgin, singular. Amen. It's the Amen. only one. <laughs> and let's see, a couple other things here. Verse 36, and Sarah, my master's wife, bear a son to my master when she was old, and unto him hath he given all that he hath. Unto Jesus Christ hath God the Father given all that he hath. By the way, in Colossians, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. It pleased the Father that in him, Jesus Christ, should all fullness dwell. God the Father gets pleasure out of his Son being glorified. Amen. Not the Holy Ghost, not him. And I've shown Jehovah's Witnesses that in John 5, he that honoreth me honoreth the Father. And you don't honor the Father by making Jesus Michael the Archangel or whatever they say. Sure. Sure. Okay, a couple other ones here. Verse 53, And the servant brought forth jewels of silver mm. and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah. He gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. So there's your judgment seat of Christ. There's your fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. A couple more here. Verse 58, And they called Rebekah and said unto her, So this is Laban. This is her family. This guy just shows up. He's, tell, he's just bragging on Isaac and says... Do you want to, you know, I got this guy. <laughs> sure. he, yeah, do you want to be his wife? Here's what Rebecca says. And they called Rebecca, this is for you Calvinists out there, and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, She had to, yeah, she had to decide, I will go. Amen. Free will, free There's will. A
1: choice <laughs> once the servant presented who the, the offer was. And she had to choose, will I go? And she
0: said, I will go. If she, yeah, it was her decision. Verse 61, and Rebekah rose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man. And the servant took Rebekah and went his mm, way. That's good. Servant's way, the Lord's way, right. not your way, right. Christian. And one more. I believe. <laughs> Verse 65, for she had said unto the servant, "What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us?" And the servant had said, "It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. Mm. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. The doc says an eternity. The Holy Spirit will just talk about all that he did that we had no clue about, that where God just worked everything out just perfectly. And your who, the wife you found, the church you found, how you found Jesus Christ, how, how millions of other people found Jesus Christ, and how the Lord worked for you, and you prayed that one time, and that missionary was about to quit, but he kept going because... Yeah. The Holy Spirit is going to go on for millions of years, probably, and just bragging and telling all the great things that God did through Him. And but she covered herself—that's you know modesty and all that good stuff with fine linen clothing in it. Sure. So.
1: And just so what a what amazing church age truth yeah. found in Genesis chapter twenty-four. Remember, Jesus Christ said Moses wrote of me. There you go. That's how he wrote of him, right? In types and pictures types, yeah. and shadows and you know metaphors. And uh, just amazing, amazing truth there, again, about the church, about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit works, <clears throat> about the choice of the bride, and giving of the gifts, and then going back to one day, obviously, meet meet the, the bride and the bridegroom, and just wonderful, wonderful truths there. And you could go on and on and dig in those things. But th- this is how the Bible is. It's such a deep book. I always like the saying of the woman at the well and she's talking to jesus christ is that something basically sir do this i know this is a deep well (laughs) well amen brother those are just some wonderful truths in regards again found in genesis chapter 24 and you know i know there's more details we could go on about and again we just hope that those that are listening or viewing would just fall in love with the word of god this truly is an amazing book there's plenty other examples obviously i think genesis chapter 22 abraham offering up isaac and you just go through that story there and all the details of you know about he travels and there's two other with him and isaac claves to the wood and obviously a great picture of the father offering his son and i I mean you can go on and on and on with those details but here's one that maybe folks haven't considered and i definitely don't have everything figured out on this particular type or picture metaphor maybe you'd call it um but the bible talks a whole lot brother brian about trees And the Bible likens man to trees. And there's just so much truth Hmm. that I believe that we can learn about man and trees in uh, Mark chapter eight. Uh, Maybe because I'll probably do a little bit of talking here. Brother, why don't you read Mark chapter eight uh, just to kind of give the context. And I'll just kind of summarize some other points Um, in regards to this kind of different, bizarre Healing of this blind man in Mark chapter 8. Just read verses 22 through 26.
0: And he cometh to Bethsaida, uh, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, mm. and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to the, his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town.
1: Hmm. So this is a bizarre story. First of all, I <laughs> get spit in his eye. <laughs> and,
0: uh,
1: you know, we, we joke about that, but um, there's probably every element needed for sight found in human spit and I'm sure one day some scientists will be studying it yeah. and finally cure for blindness and spit. I, I yeah. mean, that's just how this book works, you know? And uh, so, right. um, but obviously, what I want to draw attention to is verse 24. And he looked up and he said, I see men as trees walking. And again, this is just really bizarre. This man <laughs> sees men as trees walking. And then, of course, in verse 25, after he put his hands again upon his eyes, he made him look up and he was restored and saw every man clearly. So the first time he doesn't see clearly and he sees men as trees and not just thinking about all the different references that likens man unto trees and these truths that we can learn. I think about Lucifer in Isaiah chapter 14, (laughs) the fall of Lucifer. It talks about how thou how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground, hmm. which did us weaken the nations. Again, being cut down like a tree, you cut down a tree. And there's other places in Ezekiel and that where the Bible likens the devil or Satan to trees and the high tree and where all the birds came and made a nest in and, you know, just uh, on and on you go, but... Lucifer said to be cut down. It's not just Lucifer. um, The righteous man is likened unto a tree. Psalms Hmm. chapter 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now here's the verse, verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit. In his season, his leaf also shall not wither. Whatsoever he do, doeth shall prosper. So again, God likens that righteous man unto a tree. Wisdom is likened unto a tree. Proverbs hmm. chapter three verse eighteen. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. Of course, Israel is likened unto a tree. What what tree is Israel likened unto?
0: That the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Brother Mine? Brian knows. How about the fig tree? Fig ah, tree. Yeah, Nathaniel, yeah. under the fig tree, I saw uh, the, yeah. the fig tree and put yeah, it forth well, leaves. I thought you were messing with
1: me. No, I wasn't. I just went blank. Brother Brian is the quizzer, and he always... Not a good quizzy. My, my, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, he always quizzes us. So praise the Lord. Uh, yeah. I was able to get him that's like good. this. That's good. That's yeah. amen, good. Amen. Israel's likened unto a fig tree. And of course, we bear fruit, the Bible talks about. Proverbs 11:30 The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the wicked are also likened to a tree. Matthew chapter 3 he talks about the axe is laid into the root of the trees. Timber. Therefore, every tree which brings f- not forth good fruit is seen down and cast into the fire. Mm-hmm. So, again, and so the point is, brother, you can just look at. All these references to man and tree, Lucifer and tree, the righteous tree, the wickedest tree. And the Bible talks about seed. We have a seed. Tree has a seed. Talks about fruit. A tree brings forth fruit. We're supposed to bring forth fruit. A tree is planted. We're supposed to be planted. We're supposed to be rooted. A tree is supposed to be rooted. It can be cut down. It needs to be watered. Hmm. Otherwise it will wither. Wow. It has leaves. It never it ends. can fade. Yeah, I mean it just goes on and on and on and on. And by the way, what got all of mankind in trouble?
0: I think it was a tree. A tree. Something to do with a tree.
1: Yeah, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We talked about that (laughs) on the other podcast. But what also saved man?
0: Somebody dying on a tree.
1: Dying on a tree. Amen. And uh, so we see this just connection with men and trees all throughout the Bible. Yeah. Wasn't he the gardener? Yeah, the gardener. That's what they thought. Thought he was the gardener. Yeah. So... (laughs) Uh, you know, this is just the tip of the iceberg, and I, I truly think, you know, yeah. someone should study how trees and maybe write a book on trees and the truth and mankind. There's so much truth there, but.
0: Brother Dalmage doesn't have a book on
1: it? I don't think on trees. but Brother, Brother Dalmage, if you're listening to this, you need to <laughs> write a book on trees. He probably matches it
0: with his parables with I'm the sure. tree and the fowls lodge and the branches. Yeah. So just so many good truths there. Amen.
1: But uh, I found this interesting, brother. I want to I show you and the, the viewers this picture. And uh, again, as we mentioned, the world is always catching up to the Bible. And so here is a picture of a tree and a picture of our lungs. And you couldn't make this up. I mean, that hmm. tree to the right looks almost identical to those lungs on the left. And and again, these comparisons of man and trees just keep going on. Now, what I find fascinating is that the medical field calls this portion here, the bronchi, and then it branches off into two bronchial trees, they call it, that's what they call it in the medical field. And, of course, we breathe in what the, the uh, trees produce, and the trees breathe in what we exhale. And so the connection between men and trees, to me, is just absolutely fascinating. And I believe, as kind of just shared for a few moments, those things are just the tip of the iceberg. And I think there's some truth in there yet to be discovered about men and trees. Um, so, anyways, I, I just thought those those things were interesting. And you can learn so much truth by studying types and pictures and metaphors in the Bible. And you connect those truths to the scientific truths that we know today. And uh, just shows you this
0: is an amazing book, brother. Amen. Some closing thoughts? Just the arrogance of man in general. Yeah. Like, everybody today thinks that they've got everything figured out scientifically or whatever the case may be. And I'm just assuming if we pointed out that science was wrong 50 years ago or seven years ago or 100 years ago they probably would admit it or some people would admit it but say but we're not like that now we have computers and internet and sure. big processors of uh, terabyte processors and everything else i'm not that much into that stuff but that's what they said 50 years ago and that's what they said 100 years ago we're not like those dopes from 200 yeah, from the right. 1700s we're in the year 1800 we got everything figured out now everybody thinks they have everything figured out right. and if anything, they're just more ignorant as time goes on. And the the Bible is just always right. It's never wrong, and their, their stuff is always wrong. It's just such an amazing book, and I, don't know, I just have a heart for... I just want people to love this bible amen. and know and know it's true because i i know several young adults that just turn away from it and they're atheists or self-professing atheists or agnostics or they don't believe the bible and i just for the life of me can't imagine it i, I mentioned it before i got backslidden i got out of church for five years but i never doubted this book amen brother. And I, I drove a cab at night and had several opportunities and witnessed to people and and exalted the word of god i didn't exalt anything else my life was pretty wicked but when i had a, a couple times i had an opportunity even sitting at a poker table defending the bible defending homeschool i remember defending against socialism and standing up for the bible playing poker at a in a casino
1: we don't <laughs> so suggest that no
0: sorry maybe i'll edit it but the new chad brother chad maybe he won't but yeah so the bible is always right don't ever doubt it mankind is always wrong and man's a joke <laughs>
1: Amen, brother. Amen. (laughs) And uh, there's no doubt about that, brother Brian. And again, our desire here at the Word of a King podcast is really to get you to fall in love with the Word of God. And the reason is we know if you fall in love with the Word of God, you'll fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. And brethren, I truly believe as the world waxes worse and worse and temptations grow greater and pressure, we live in a pressure cooker society. The only way you're going to make it in these days these last few days we have left in the church age, it's not gonna be because of bondage or guilt or uh, fear. I truly believe the only way you're gonna make it and make a difference is to fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. The most important thing for you on this side of eternity is your relationship with your Savior. And brethren, that starts by getting into this book, fall in love with this book, and doing something for the Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, we're praying for you. Pray that you do something for the Lord Jesus Christ and fall in love with this book. It truly is an amazing book. God bless. The key to understand the word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says. If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened that understanding.